through it together. Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, verse number 11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. We're going to continue our study through Hebrews chapter 11 as we look at different people in uh, the, the book or in this chapter that uh, is laid out as, as being great people of faith. People who are known not for holding on to Judaism, not because they followed some set of rituals, but because they had great faith in God. Now, uh, everyone we've covered up to this point has been a man. Uh, this will be the first woman that we will have looked at. And it's been interesting as I have studied the life of Sarah, and I have looked at Abraham and Sarah's journey together from Sarah's perspective, it has opened my eyes to see things in a way I've never seen it before. And I hope tonight I'll be able to offer you some insights and give you some things to think about that you've not thought of before and that your faith would be challenged. One thing is for certain, during all of this uncertainty that surrounds us with this virus, our faith needs to be made stronger. I hope that what you'll see and what you'll experience and what you'll feel through this virus is that it's like going to the spiritual gym and lifting spiritual weights and that your faith muscle becomes larger than it's ever been. And uh, I know that when I go to the gym and I'm uh, working out on a machine, I look at the guy next to me, generally his arms are much larger than mine, and I am impressed. And I hope that the world looks at your spiritual muscles and they are impressed and it gives you an opportunity to share Jesus with those you come in contact with. Let's have a word of prayer this evening. Lord, we ask that you help us as we understand uh, uh, the life of Sarah on a little bit deeper level. And Lord, try to look at uh, their journey, Abraham and Sarah's journey together uh, from her uh, point of view, from a female point of view, from, uh, Lord, what she experienced and what she had to endure. And Lord, how her faith uh, purified her and made her stronger. And Lord, landed her right here in Hebrews chapter 11. Lord, help our faith to be made strong tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to try to uh, forego as much of an introduction as possible, but by way of introduction, I want to lay out for you three thoughts, three themes that uh, I want you to be on the lookout for as we explore Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, and the life of Sarah. We'll be uh, in First Peter for a short time, and then we'll be in the book of Genesis most of the time. But here are the three themes that I want you to keep an eye out for this evening as we go through our Bible study. The first one is this. God always keeps His promises. God always keeps His promises. Now, sometimes we're not certain if God's going to keep His promises. Sometimes we wonder if God has forgotten about His promises. And no doubt we'll see that Sarah... Uh, at times wondered if God had forgotten about her, or maybe if God was incapable of keeping His promise. Uh, but what we're going to see this evening, and through the life of Sarah, is that God always keeps His promises. Now, there are two types of promises that God gives in Scripture. There are conditional promises. A conditional promise would be one where I must do something first before God will turn around and reward me uh, uh, for uh, keeping my end of the bargain. Romans 8.28 is a good example of that. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, 
to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, this verse is used a lot to say, well, all things are going to work out. All things work together for good. And I would say, all things work together for good, but... You have a condition, Christian, that you must keep in order for God to make all things work out together for your good. What are the conditions in this verse? Well, you must love God. Uh, you cannot go through your life loving yourself and ignoring God and then expect all things to work out together for your good. No, you must choose to have a fervent love for God and you must uh, uh, do the calling on his uh, on on your life that he has given you when you keep those conditions then God will keep that promise those conditions bind God into keeping that promise for you however not every promise in scripture is conditional some uh, promises in the bible are unconditional they are not based on our behavior. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. What are the unconditional promises in this verse? The first one is that there is eternal life. That is not conditioned upon anything that I do or you do or anyone else does. God promises that there's eternal life and so there is eternal life. Why? Because God always keeps his promise. The other unconditional promise in this verse is that God cannot lie. It does not matter how I behave. It does not matter how you behave. God cannot lie. God always keeps his promise. The second theme I want you to look out for as we study the life of Sarah is that God works on his timeline and not our timeline. God works on his own timeline. That never changes. Many times, I know I grow, grow frustrated with God because He's not working things out the way I want Him to work things out when I want Him to work things out. Whether that's somebody that does me wrong, or, or, or that's uh, something that I've asked the Lord for, maybe I've kept a condition uh, in the Scripture and I'm not seeing Him come through, and I say, Lord, I did my part, and it feels as though you're not doing your part. And God has to remind me on a regular basis, as I'm sure He does you, that God is not bound by my timeline. God operates on his own timeline. And we cannot hold God captive to what we want. We must trust God that he's going to keep his promises on his timeline. The third theme I want you to look out for as we study the life of Sarah and her faith is this. God's power is greater uh, than our sin. God's power is greater than our sin. You, please hear me, because a lot of Christians struggle with this, you cannot sin in such a way where God says, well, I didn't see that one coming, and now my plans are circumvented, and I can't work my work in your life. God never throws up his hands and says, well, you blew it so big, I can't do what I wanted to do. No, my friend, God is capable of taking our errors and our transgressions and our wrongdoings and still using them to work about His plan and His purpose in our life. Nothing we do, whether it's good or bad, uh, is too great that God cannot use it and still accomplish his, uh, his purpose in our life. So let's take a deep look at the life of Sarah this evening and keep these themes in mind as we, uh, uh, as we look at some thoughts here. Point number one of the message tonight, and I encourage you to write down the outline, notice Sarah's submission. Sarah's submission. If you have a Bible, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3 and look with me at verse number 5. 1 Peter chapter 3 
and verse number 5. The Bible says, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, notice this phrase, who trusted in God. That is the foundation of the idea of verses 5 and 6. These are women, holy women, who trusted in God. Notice their faith, and notice what their faith caused them to do. Who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any, with any amazement. So we see here that Sarah trusted in God, and because Sarah trusted in God, by default, she obeyed her husband. She was submissive to the authorities that God put in her life. She did not submit to Abraham because Abraham was some perfect husband. As we saw last week in our study of Abraham, Abraham was very flawed. Abraham made a lot of mistakes. Sarah did not base her submission to authority in her life based on Abraham's behavior, but rather Sarah based her obedience to authority on her trust in God. Because Sarah trusted in God, by default, she was submissive to the authorities in her life. Now, I could take the time here and speak to Christian wives and talk about the importance of following your husband's authority, but that would be a waste of a teaching of the passage here in a larger point. God has called every Christian, male and female, to submit to their God-given authorities. And my friend, we all have them. Whether you are someone with ten levels of authority over you, or you're someone with two or three or one uh, person of authority, everyone has human authority over them in some way uh, that they might uh, they must answer to. And I can hear someone saying right now, well, what about President Donald Trump? He is the leader of the free world, and he doesn't have to answer to any human authority. And I would just remind you that President Trump is married. So he has authority that even he must answer to. He may be the head, but trust me, Melania probably turns uh, the head. She's the neck that turns the head in the background. Everyone has some human authority. Most everyone has some human authority they must answer to. And Sarah, uh, based on her faith in God, was submissive. Now, we're, we're going to look at just a moment at some instances where Sarah wasn't so submissive. We're going to see in just a moment that there were some times where Sarah blew it. Where Sarah uh, wasn't exactly uh, the easiest person to be married to. And Sarah uh, fought with her husband and there was strife in her marriage. I believe most of that strife was caused by Abraham. I believe uh, Abraham was the, the, the genesis of much of the problems in their marriage. I'm going to show you that here in a minute. But nonetheless, Sarah didn't always get it right. But if you back out and you look at Sarah's life as a whole, boy, Sarah gets credit in Scripture in the New Testament once the story of her life had been written. Thousands of years of time had passed and God, uh, uh, God uh, offers us the perspective and and shows us that Sarah, from a macro sense, uh, macro sense, lived a submissive lifestyle to her God-given authority. And that was driven by her faith in God. Now, I want to say this right here. You cannot tell me you are a man or woman of faith and be a rebellious person at the same time. Those two do not work together. 
Boy, I have people tell me, I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. But they can't show up to work on time. They tell me, I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. But they don't heed the authority of their pastor in their life. I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. But they're always griping about the laws of the land that are over them. I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. Uh, but but they, they fight and argue and bicker with any rule that's put on top of them. My friend, if you are constantly at war with authority, then your faith is weak. Your faith is weak. Sarah was known as a submissive, uh, God-fearing woman because she trusted in God. And she said, the, authorities in my, uh, the authority figures of my life are far from perfect, but God put them in my life, and I must show God I trust Him by being submissive to those He's put over me. Number one, Sarah's submission. Number two, notice Sarah's struggles. Sarah's struggles. We're going to look at a couple of them here. Notice letter A. She was mistreated. She was mistreated. Now, uh, you can label me a male chauvinist pig, and maybe rightfully so, or maybe not a pig. I'm not a pig, but a male chauvinist a little bit. Uh, but uh, I am a man, and so I have only, uh, up to this point, up to studying for this lesson, I have only looked at the story of Abraham and Sarah from Abraham's Standpoint. I had never taken the time to look at it from Sarah's standpoint. And boy, when I did that, I saw things from a new perspective. And Sarah was greatly mistreated. Turn over to Genesis chapter 12 in your Bibles and look with me at verse 10. And we'll read down to verse 16 in just a moment. Now, uh, by way of setting this up, Abraham and Sarah shared the same biological father but not the same biological mother. And I took some time this week to study out uh, the relationship there. And, boy, you have to sort of piecemeal several passages together to figure it out. And in some ways it looks like that maybe Sarah was Abraham's niece. And in other ways it looks like it was his sister. And uh, Abraham tells a story where he claims that she is his sister, but he's lying already anyway. And so it's hard to go by that story and really know. We do know that in some way they were related to each other, whether it was niece or half-sister. But uh, obviously the gene pool was much cleaner back then, and so it was less weird to marry someone of, of a kindred nature. Today I don't recommend that you marry your sister or even your half-sister or your cousin or your niece. I think that's weird and, and, and off-footing and, and, and out of order. Uh, but back then uh, the, things were much different. The culture was much different. And as we go through the study here, you're going to see there were several things done that don't don't really fit our culture, and we have to take a step out of our culture just for a minute and try to see things and understand things from a different cultural view. Now, uh, uh, Genesis 12, leading up through verse 10, up to verse 9, we find that Abraham is led by God to what would be the promised land. They made it to the promised land. Verse 1, they're called out to go to the promised land. And just nine verses later, they've made it. They're there. They have reached the destination, but a famine hits the land. And when the famine hits the land, their money begins to dry up, their food supplies start to dry up. And please, don't miss this. Instead of Abraham trusting in God, he chose to take matters in his own hands, and he chose to go down to a materialistically rich area called Egypt, 
and he chose to go there uh, and, and he cooked up a Ponzi scheme in order to make himself wealthy again. And he mistre- greatly mistreated his wife in the process. Look at verse 10 here. And there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. Uh, uh, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, uh, Behold now, I know that thou, thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, and they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that I that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Look at verse 16, and he, this is Pharaoh, entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. So what happens here is they roll into Egypt and Abraham, uh, before his name was changed to Abraham, it was Abram. So Abram and Sarai, later Abraham and Sarah. Abraham says to his wife Sarah, he says, listen, when we get there, they're going to see you and they're going to kill me in order for you to be able to marry um, uh, 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 the Pharaoh, to be part of his harem, to be one of his concubines. And listen, uh, we can't have that. I don't want to die, and surely you don't want me to die. Now, Sarah, I'm sure, looked at Abraham at this point and said, Abraham, then why are we coming here? What are we doing going into an area where it means that I'm going to be taken into a palace and I'm not going to get to be your wife anymore? Surely there is an option C. If option A is to stay there and starve and option B is to go here and have our marriage ended so that I'm put in a harem and I'm just nothing more than than an object uh, for the king to show his lust toward, surely there is an option C. But that's not what they did. They strolled on into Egypt. Sarah followed along with the plan because she felt she had no choice and claimed to be his sister. Sarah must have been beautiful. By the way, the name Sarai means my princess. The name changed to Sarah. The word my got dropped and it was just princess. We'll get into the reasons why her name was changed here shortly. She must have been gorgeous. By the way, she was 65 years old when they walked into Egypt. And she was still desired by the king. She was mistreated. She was taken by Pharaoh and put in the palace. And Abram was paid. He was paid a fee given to a brother so that the king would have the right to marry him. Abraham restocked his financial coffers and gave up his wife to do so. Letter B, notice, she made a mistake. Now, we're going, to re- we're going to come back to Genesis 12 shortly and see how God got them out of this and got Sarah back to Abraham's side. Uh, turn with me over to Genesis chapter 16. And we're going to see where Sarah makes her big mistake. Look at verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. 
I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, um, uh, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and uh, gave uh, her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and she um, uh, uh, saw... Excuse me. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarah had a major lapse of judgment here. Uh, Sarah, uh, after ten years of having been promised by God that they were going to have a baby, ten years in, uh, God had not come through in in Sarah's timeline. And probably at this point, her body is approaching menopause. And uh, I understand that she would have been older than 65. uh, Back then, people lived longer than they do now. And so uh, uh, the change of life for a woman where she's past her childbearing years would have been past the the spot where it is in today's time. And so she's approaching the, the end of her ability to be able to bear a child. And she looks at Hagar, and she must have said to herself, either God cannot keep His promise, or God has chosen not to keep His promise, and so I must take matters into my own hands. Do you see what Sarah's impatience did here? you see what Sarah's doubt drove? Sarah's doubt drove her to take matters in her own hands and try to do God's job for Him. So what did she do? She takes Hagar, her handmaid, her Egyptian handmaid. No doubt they had gotten when they were in uh, uh, Egypt and picked up this 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 maidservant, picked up this uh, woman that had been gotten in exchange for uh, uh, Sarah going and living in uh, the, the palace there for a short time. And they left with this handmaiden, and she takes and says, Here, uh, Abraham, this woman can be a surrogate womb for me. I will have a baby through this woman, and then I will take this baby and raise it as my own. Now, I can't think of a scenario, I said this last week, but I can't think of a scenario where my wife would ever say to me, go be with her so we can have a baby. Go go be with her. I can't think of a scenario where that would ever be. This shows me how desperate Sarah was to have a baby. This was a custom that had come from Mesopotamia. The idea of using another woman's womb in order to have your own baby. Uh, now, please don't miss this. When we act by feeling instead of faith, we sure do make a mess out of things. There are all kinds of feelings that you feel uh, in, in, a, uh, in a spot. And you feel like God has gone to sleep. You feel like God has ignored you. You feel like God is nowhere to be found. You feel like God has fallen through on His promise. And you feel, you feel, you feel, and you follow your feelings and you step out and act by what's sensible instead of by faith. And we end up making a big mess out of things. And I would just encourage you this evening my friend that's watching uh, tonight, please, if God has said something in His Word, trust His Word. Do not trust your feelings. Letter C, notice, she was misplaced. She was misplaced. Look at Genesis chapter 16 and verse 5. Now, this is something, again, never having taken the time to look at it from Sarah's uh, viewpoint, I had never seen this before. But look at verse 5. And Sarai said unto Abram, so now the child's been born. Uh, Ishmael's been born through Hagar. My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid, Hagar, into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised 
in her eyes, the Lord judge between me and thee. Now, uh, there's a lot to be uh, read into here. Uh, To every married man watching tonight, we've all had our wives uh, reprimand us or uh, uh, give us a a bedroom sermon, right? Where your wife kind of preaches a sermon to you and uh, you know she's right and you know you're wrong and you know... Uh, she has every right to say what she's saying, and she just lays you flat and walks out and leaves you licking your wounds. And oftentimes when a wife will do that to her husband, uh, I, I, there, are, there is a reason to sit there and feel like, boy, there's so much I can take out of what she just said. There's layers. You know what I mean? There's layers there. There's uh, what she said, there's what she meant, and then there's just all the complexities under it. There's a lot of complexity here to what Sarah is saying to Abraham in Genesis 16.5. But can I just give you my take on this? She was saying to Abraham, you failed me as a leader. Abraham, I suggested that Hagar uh, uh, bear us a child. You're supposed to be my spiritual head, Abraham. You're supposed to be the one that should have set up and said, that's a bad idea, Sarah. That's us taking matters into our hands, Sarah. That's us not trusting God, Sarah. You should have stood up to me and told me, no, the Lord judge between you and me. My friend, if you are a leader, please hear me. God has not called you to let those that follow you dictate to you what to do. Oh, you should listen. Oh, you should consider. Oh, you should uh, be wise to let others below you or that follow you advise you, but at the end of the day, you should never allow them to puppet you into sin. Sarah looked at Abraham and said, my emotions got the best of me, and where were you to stand up and say that was wrong? Look at verse 15. Genesis 16, 15. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram, Abram called his name. His son's name. Notice that phrase, Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. Now, why is that phrase, Abram called his son's name, important? Uh, Here's why. This broke the custom of the day. Now, excuse me for reading between the lines just a hair. And uh, I believe I am reading between the lines just a hair. I may get to heaven and find out that I'm wrong here. I don't believe I am. Uh, uh, But uh, here's what I see. If you go uh, two generations later... Rachel and Leah have handmaids. Jacob is tricked into marrying Leah. And then he is able to marry Rachel for seven more additional years working for Laban. And Rachel and Leah also have handmaidens or uh, women servants that work for them. And Jacob, who later have his name changed to Israel, Jacob would have children through all four women. Rachel, Leah, and then their two handmaidens. When the handmaidens to Rachel and Leah have babies, guess who named the babies? It wasn't Jacob, it was Rachel and Leah. When Rachel's handmaiden had a baby, Rachel took the child and raised it as her own, and Rachel named the baby. Go and study it for yourself. When Leah's handmaid had a child, Leah would take the baby as her own, and Leah would name the baby. Why is it here in Genesis chapter 16, verse 15, that Sarah is cut out of the loop of naming the child? You know why? Because at this point, Sarah was forced to play second wife to Abraham. You see, Abraham had Sarah as his primary wife, as his one and true wife. And then 
in came Hagar to the picture. Hagar was supposed to be nothing more than a surrogate womb. But the strife between Abraham and Sarah grew so tense that Abraham took Hagar and moved her to the forefront and tucked Sarah in the background. And now Sarah, who God wanted to use to give them a child to create a people to call his own, is now forced to play second fiddle to Hagar. You know, I would say that at this point, uh, I don't know that anyone would blame Sarah for walking out of Abraham's life and saying, I'm done. God, I'm done with you too. You promised me a baby and you didn't give me one. I'm approaching a change of hormonal life and I'm about to be the place where I can't have a baby. And, uh, and, and it would be impossible for me to have a baby outside of a divine work. It would be impossible. God, I'm not even sure you can do this anymore. And God, here you have allowed... Abraham has brought Hagar into the picture, and now he's treating Hagar with more affection than he's treating me. You say, Pastor, I just don't see that Sarah was treated with less affection. Look at Genesis chapter 17 and verse 15. Look at Genesis chapter 17 and verse 15 and watch here how Abraham responds to God when God floats out the notion that he isn't done with Sarah. Look at verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt call her name, shalt, shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and shall, uh, and she shall be a mother of nations. King of people shall be of her. Now, I would think that if Abraham and Sarah were on great terms, that God would have told this to Abraham and Abraham would have said, Oh God, thank you. Please, I'm so glad. You haven't forgotten my wife. I'm so glad you have a plan for my wife. I'm so glad that you're greater uh, than the, the impossible barriers that seem to have put around us. I'm so glad, God, that you are audibly telling me you're not done with Sarah. That's not Abraham's response. Look at verse 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah... That is 90 years old bear. Look at verse 18. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Hey, God, I've already got it figured out. You didn't come through. Uh, like you said, you forgot about us. And, and we've taken matters into our own hands. And what you couldn't do, we've accomplished. And, and I've already had a child through Hagar. And it was a boy. And, and his name is Ishmael. And Lord, I have almost forgotten about Sarah. I've put her in the background. And Hagar, I have her. And I have Ishmael. Lord, who needs Sarah? Let Ishmael live before thee. Oh, if this was Abraham's sentiment, can you imagine the dismay in Sarah's heart? Lord, you promised us all the way back in Genesis 12 that if we got up and we followed you to a land that you would show us, that you would make us, Abraham and Sarah, a great nation. And here I am, Lord, 90 years old. I've been at this for at least 25 years. And you have forgotten about me. Lord, I have trusted in you. And what have you done with that trust? Oh, I made a mistake, Sarah must have thought. Oh, I messed up by bringing Hagar into the picture. But Lord, I didn't call for all of this mistreatment. I didn't call to be misplaced. I didn't call to be forgotten by my husband. I didn't call uh, to have to look at Ishmael and feel jealousy and rage and hurt in my heart. 
You see, Sarah made it to the end, but Sarah had great struggles. Let me speak to those of you here tonight who are just down in the dumps and discouraged. You've walked the Christian life. You've lived a life of faith. You've done your best to follow God's Word. Oh, you're like Sarah. You've made some mistakes along the way. Oh, you're like Sarah. You've struggled. And, and right now, your shoulders are sunk low and you're in despair and you're wondering why you should get up and continue to put one Christian foot in front of the other. And I would just say to you this evening, stay the course. Stay the course. My friend, Sarah didn't quit in the valley. Sarah didn't throw in the towel on her marriage. Sarah didn't walk away when she had to wake up every morning and look at Hagar and Ishmael. Sarah didn't give up even when Abraham had given up on her. Sarah didn't give up on God even when her, even when her sensibilities told her that God had given up on her. Sarah kept moving forward. Sarah was a woman of faith because Sarah trusted in God when she could see And Sarah trusted in God even when she couldn't see. Number three, notice God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. It is amazing to me that no matter how much of a mess we make out of things, God is able to take those messes and turn them into a beautiful message. He's able to take our disasters. And He's able to do something incredible with it. I heard a pastor once explain God's sovereignty this way in regards to how God's sovereignty fits in with man's free will. And and that that is a a, uh, theological discussion. You could could talk around in circles and never really find where the two meet. It's hard to discover. But one pastor described it this way. He said, uh, uh, God's sovereignty versus our free will is much like playing a grand master in chess. You may get to move your pieces wherever you want, but the outcome is decided before the game even starts. And God lets you move your pieces around however you want. You, you can make your life decisions however you want. God has a purpose and a plan, and your poor decision-making is not going to keep Him from winning. In regards to God's sovereignty, in Sarah's, in Sarah's direction, notice letter A, His protection. His protection. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 12. And we'll wrap it up here. Genesis chapter 12 and uh, verse number 17. Now, this is going back to the story where Abraham and Sarah entered into Egypt. And Abraham lied about who Sarah was and had Sarah lie on his behalf. And she's taken in and put into, into Pharaoh's palace. And she's made part of the harem or group of women who were, were quote-unquote, married to Pharaoh. Look at verse number 17. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And uh, Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that uh, she was thy wife? Uh, Why saidest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men uh, concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Now, uh, do you see here how that Abraham was greedy? He was willing to give up his wife in order to obtain more greed. His wife was taken and put in the palace. Now, you understand that at this point, Sarah is just simply following orders. She's simply being submissive to her God-given authority, and she's following the orders given above her, And she is in line to get greatly hurt. She is in line to have to be a a wife slave to Pharaoh the rest of her life. 
And God has greater plans, so he steps in and stops it. How does he step in and stop it? Boy, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? He sent plagues on Pharaoh, which caused him to release Sarah the slave. And through those plagues, Abraham and Sarah were driven by Pharaoh out of Egypt. This is a precursor to what would happen to the children of Israel some hundreds of years later when they would land into Egypt. His protection. Hey, God was not going to let anything happen to Sarah because God had plans for Sarah. Do you know, my friend, God's not going to let anything happen to you that circumvents His plan for your life. Someone else may make a bad decision and take away a great, grand opportunity from you. My friend, God will not let those plans be circumvented. His will will be accomplished as long as we choose to stay faithful and walk by faith. Let her be. Notice his, speaking of God's uh, sovereignty, notice his provision. His provision. Uh, Look with me at Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 15. This is back to where now Hagar uh, has been married to Abraham. Ishmael has been born. And God is coming down and renewing his his, uh, covenant with Abraham. Look at 17 verse 15. And God said unto Abram, As for Sarai thy wife, and remember the name Sarai means my princess or Abraham's princess in regards to uh, the, the marriage there. Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. It is almost as though God is saying, I'm revalidating Sarah. I am reinstating uh, her purpose. She's no longer just your princess, Abraham. Abraham, Sarah is my princess, God says. I have a plan for Sarah's life. And you may be done with her, Abraham. I'm not done with her. Look at verse 16. And I will bless her. And give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. And she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Hey, Abraham, your wife, you have treated her like trash. You have forgotten about her. You have been willing to give her up in order to make yourself rich. And by the way, we didn't even look at Genesis 20. He would do this a second time with King Abimelech. And God would have to send a vision and dream and threaten to kill him in order to break that up. And by the way, Abraham received, received a payout again in regards to that. Uh, Abraham is a acting in a way that's selfish. Now, I don't mean to paint Abraham in a bad light. God used him and did some great things. And God was working on him like he was working on Sarah. Go back to last week's sermon and you'll hear the the study on Abraham, how Abraham grew in his faith and became more of a man of faith. But Sarah was dumped on a lot by her husband and God said, I will step up and I will provide. Now, did Sarah doubt? Yes. In Genesis 18, the Lord comes down in a Christophany, a, a, a human appearance of Jesus Christ, and he sits and eats outside the tent door and tells Abraham, Hey, listen, uh, uh, your wife's going to have a baby, and Sarah laughs within her heart. Even at this point, Sarah's doubting a little bit. But God pr- renews that promise again to Sarah's face and says, Oh, you did laugh. Don't deny it. You did laugh. Sarah, I will bring child to you. We see God answering that prayer. Turn to Genesis chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. 
For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of God which had spoken to him. Look at verse 6. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. Abraham fell on his face and laughed when God said that he was going to give a child to Sarah. And then Sarah laughed in her heart when uh, she was promised a chapter 18, uh, a chapter later. And then they named their son Laughter, or Isaac, when he is born. And now they're not laughing at God. They're laughing with joy because God kept His word. Was Sarah past her time to bear child? Yes. Was Sarah beyond uh, what was humanly possible? Yes. But my friends, what does the Bible tell us? With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Hey, God's not limited in the ways that we're limited. He is omnipotent. Letter C, notice lastly, Sarah's patience. Sarah's patience. Turn back over with me uh, to Hebrews chapter number 11. And let's finish where we began this evening. Verse number 11. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Look here. Because she, Sarah, judged him, God, faithful, who had promised. I'll be as careful as I can here. But I believe that Abraham and Sarah's marriage... some point became just a shell marriage. I believe that the intimacy fires had grown cold in their marriage. They were old. They were just companions. There wasn't a lot of love life left between them. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 11 seems to indicate that Sarah did not go and allow Abraham the chance to conceive in her because she loved Abraham but because she judged God faithful. And because of that, God kept His promise. Sarah was patient. Listen, a lot of women would have walked away. A lot of Christians walk away when they don't think that God's coming through for them in their timeline. And God has not called us to operate on... God, 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 we are not to ask God to operate on our timeline. We are to trust God's timeline. Some questions for you as we close. Did God keep His promise to Sarah? Oh, yes, He did. Did God work on Sarah's timeline? No, He did not. And God oftentimes does not work on our timeline. Did Abraham and Sarah's sin keep God from uh, accomplishing His purpose in their lives? No, God was able to take their sin and still work around it and do miracles. If you're here this evening, let me just say this, and I'll close. Sarah wasn't perfect, but Sarah was faithful. Sarah stayed the course. My friend, the only thing that will limit God accomplishing His will in your life is if you quit and walk away. You fail, you stumble, you scrape your spiritual knee, get back up and keep going. Those stumbles are not going to keep God from doing what He wants to do in your life. I hope the Bible study has been an encouragement to you this evening. I hope that as you have looked at it from Sarah's standpoint like me, your faith has been challenged. Let's go forth and let's show the world around us our strong spiritual muscles. We'll have a word of prayer and we'll conclude the service this evening. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would ingrain it in our hearts, that you would help us to look at our lives. Are we walking by faith or are we walking by sight? 
Lord, are we growing impatient with you? Are we expecting you to operate on our, our, uh, our, our timetable? Or, Lord, are we confident that you always keep your word? Lord, somebody this evening listening to this is discouraged because they feel like they've blown it in such a way that they've limited you. Lord, help them to get up off the sidelines, to get out of pity party pit. And Lord, to keep marching forward, walking with you and spending time with you, trusting that you are able to do great things in spite of our mistakes. Oh, Lord, help us to be people of faith. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.